Welcome to the Soul Foods devotional podcast produced by International Students Incorporated. Today, we're led by our very own Jeff Townsend. After pastoring churches in Iowa, Texas, and Colorado, Jeff and his wife Mary were involved in missions work in the Middle East. Since returning from the field, Jeff has faithfully served with us at ISI. Here's Jeff. A good friend of mine noted in a recent blog that we are more divided as a nation than at any time since the Civil War. That's a very sobering statement. It suggests difficulty ahead, no matter where we may stand politically. Therefore, I want us to consider God's word for living in a divided nation. To do that, I'd like to direct our hearts and minds into four areas that I believe will help us live effectively for Christ in the days ahead. First of all, we need to honor God's sovereignty over our national leaders. We begin in these unprecedented times with God. He's still in control. In fact, that's the way this podcast is going to end as well. He is ultimately the one who raises up and casts down human rulers. We see that in Daniel 2, where God revealed to Daniel the mystery of King Nebuchadnezzar's vision about the future in the form of a great statue the king saw. Daniel then praised God for revealing the meaning of the statue to him, saying, and I'm reading now from Daniel 4, verse 17, Let the name of God be blessed forever and ever, for wisdom and power belong to him. And it is he who changes the times and the epochs. He removes kings and establishes kings. He gives wisdom to wise men and knowledge to men of understanding. Coming over to the New Testament, we hear similar words from the Apostle Paul in Romans 13.1. Let every person be in subjection to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those which exist are established by God. Notice that Paul did not add any qualifiers. The application seems to be the same for any type of government, no matter which political party is in power. So God is ultimately the one who raises up governmental leaders, and our responsibility is to live in obedience to them unless we are told to violate Scripture. Then, as the apostle said to the Jewish Sanhedrin in Acts 5.29, we must obey God rather than men. And it should be added that we must be willing to face the consequences of our civil disobedience, just as the early believers did, seen in Acts 5 and verse 40. My wife and I have lived and worked in a part of the world where persecution of believers is a very real daily threat. We've seen it firsthand. Even if such days are ahead for us here in America, we should be prepared to live for Christ in the power the Spirit supplies in subjection to governing authorities unless we are commanded to violate Scripture. Second, we need to obey the call to prayer, especially for our national leaders. In 1 Timothy 2, verses 1 through 4, Paul writes to his son in the faith, Timothy, First of all, then, I urge that entreaties and prayers, petitions and thanksgiving, be made on behalf of all men, for kings and all who are in authority, in order that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Paul calls us to prayer for all, 
believers and not yet believers, even those opposed to the gospel. Then we note that Paul focused in on kings and all who are in authority. It is not easy for believers to pray for the likes of a Hitler or a Stalin or an Idi Amin. Yet the word calls us to this ministry of intercession. Then notice the goal our prayers should seek, a peace that undergirds godly living and the furtherance of the gospel. One of my colleagues here at ISI recently noted that during 2020, it was easy to begin focusing on me. But Paul here refocuses us on God's redemptive agenda, a world in need of Christ. One way we enter into his redemptive agenda is by prayer for all and especially for leaders in authority over us. So especially as a divided nation, we need to be on our knees for our leaders at all levels of government, that they would work to create an atmosphere conducive to the spread of the gospel. Now third, what is God wanting from us as believers in these days? In the midst of strife and division in our country, with COVID still very much a threat, with job losses and business closings mounting, and education disrupted at best, how shall we then live? Let me mention three key scriptures, though of course this doesn't exhaust the topic. The first one is found in Micah 6.8, which says, He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God? Justice, loyal love, that's what the Hebrew word means, and humility, all so needed in our country just now. Yet these are not easy qualities to live by in contentious days. But don't miss the fact that God is walking with us through them. Second, in Hebrews 12, verses 1, 2, and 3, we read this. Since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, by the way, that's a reference back to chapter 11, which talks about the heroes of the faith in the Old Testament, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you may not grow weary and lose heart. Those verses mention several things that will help us to not grow weary and lose heart at a time like this. Number one, Remember that cheering cloud of witnesses in chapter 11. Review that chapter. Read it. These people lived in even more difficult times than our own. Number two, get rid of lesser things and sin in your life so that you can run well this endurance race called the Christian life. And three, above all, keep your eyes on Jesus and his example of enduring hostility and the cross looking beyond that to the joy of the reward of accomplishing the Father's redemptive will. And thirdly, 1 Peter 3.15, Sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to anyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and reverence. 
Peter insists on Jesus' lordship first. Only as we submit to him in all areas of life are we then prepared to witness in any situation, to friend or foe, with gentleness and reverence. For me personally, Jesus' lordship in my life has been an ongoing quest. But I must say that as his lordship has grown over me, it has made me more bold and willing to witness in any given situation. Still, though, I have a long way to go. So what God wants from us in these difficult days that could become much more difficult is a humble walk with him, keeping our eyes on Jesus' example, and in his lordship, sharing with others the one and only good news. Finally, though much more could be added, how it will all end. Whether we live until Jesus comes or die before he comes, Paul gives us the end of the story in 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 13 through 18. By the way, whatever understanding you have of the end-time events, this passage describes what will happen at Jesus' return, as does 1 Corinthians 15 and Revelation 19 and 20. Paul writes this in 1 Thessalonians 4, beginning at verse 13. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord shall not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. The Thessalonians were concerned that believers who had died would not participate in Christ's promised glorious return. Paul provides details of Jesus' return that clearly show how dead believers will actually have priority. To appreciate this passage, we must understand a few facts about death, and I'm speaking here of physical death, for the believer. First of all, believers die not as any sort of punishment for sin. Jesus took all our punishment. Rather, believers die as the end result of living in a fallen world. Paul says in Romans 8.28 that God works all things together for the good of making us more like his Son. In physical death, believers complete that task of becoming like Jesus Christ. Number two, according to James 2.26, physical death is the temporary separation of the immaterial person, that's me on the inside, from the physical body. Number three, at death, the believer's body ceases to function and returns to death, Genesis 3.19. But the immaterial person goes immediately to be with Christ, 2 Corinthians 5.8, Philippians 1.23. And four, at the return of Christ, believers who have been with him return with him, 1 Thessalonians 4.14. Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians 4.17 about what is commonly called the rapture, translated caught up in the New American Standard. The term rapture comes from the Latin verb rapio, 
to seize or to snatch. The same Greek word is used in John 10:12, where Jesus is describing the wolf snatching unprotected sheep from the flock. According to Paul, there's coming a time, we do not know when, Jesus will come in the air to snatch us out of the mess that we're in. A split second before that, believers who have died and have returned with Jesus will be reunited with their resurrection bodies. Paul put it this way in 1 Corinthians 15, 51. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. In other words, we shall not all die before Jesus comes back. But we shall all be changed. In other words, all will receive resurrection bodies. At that moment, living and dead believers will receive bodies suited for eternity. Paul ends 1 Thessalonians 4 by telling us that all of this should comfort us as we wait for Jesus, perhaps enduring very difficult times. Thus, it all ends well with our Lord's glorious return. Never, never lose sight of his coming as our blessed hope, Titus 2.13. My personal belief is that Jesus' coming could be at any time, though we do not know that time. Yet we still pray, come, Lord Jesus. Today we've talked about four main ideas to be carefully considered as believers move into a time of perhaps unprecedented difficulty in a divided nation. Those four things are God's sovereignty over national leaders, the need for prayer, especially for those leaders, what God is wanting from us as believers in these days, a humble walk, eyes on Jesus, sharing the gospel and the lordship of Christ, and fourthly, the comfort of how it will all end. I leave you today with these words from an American clergyman of the 19th century. His name was Thomas DeWitt Talmage. He lived from 1832 to 1902. And his words here bring us back to where we began with God. He writes, When omniscience has lost its eyesight, when omnipotence falls back impotent, and Jehovah is driven from his throne, then the church of Jesus Christ can afford to be despondent, but never until then. Despots may plan and armies may march, and the congresses of the nations may seem to think they are adjusting all the affairs of the world, but the mighty men of earth are only the dust of the chariot wheels of God's providence. Lord, you allow the darkness so that your light may be seen. You have purposes in this virus and in this time of division in our nation that we have not yet realized. Regardless, help us to live by the truths of your word as we await your return. And now, go into all the world in peace. Have courage. Hold on to what is good. Honor all men. Strengthen the faint-hearted, support the weak. Help the suffering, share the gospel. Honor and serve the Lord in the power of the Holy Spirit. And may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ go with us all. Amen.